from the rule of our Holy Father Saint Benedict, Chapter the Fifth, De Obediencia Continued. But this very obedience will then only be acceptable to God and sweet to men if what is commanded be done not fearfully, tardily, nor coldly, nor with murmuring, nor with an answer, showing unwillingness. For the obedience which is given to superiors is given to God, since he himself hath said, He that heareth you, heareth me. And it ought to be given by disciples with a good will, because God loveth a cheerful will. For if the disciple obey with ill will, and murder, not only with his lips, but even in his heart, although he fulfill the command, yet it will not be accepted by God, who regardeth the heart of the murderer. And for such an action he shall gain no reward, nay, rather, he shall incur the punishment due to murderers, unless he meant and make satisfaction. But thou, o Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. This second half of chapter 5 contains a phrase that describes Benedictine obedience beautifully. Acceptabilis Deo et dulcis omnibus. I find that wonderful. Acceptable to God and sweet to men. Sweet to men. St. Benedict describes this obedience that he would see in his sons, acceptable to God and sweet to men. When obedience is acceptable to God, it becomes a sacrificial offering. Lucia, according to the word of St. Paul, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing unto God, your reasonable service. Romans 12.1 And when obedience is sweet to men, it corresponds to this other word of the Apostle. I, therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation in which you are called, with all humility, mildness, with patience, supporting one another in charity, careful to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There you have the characteristics of an obedience that is sweet to men. And St. Benedict enumerates the things that make one's obedience defective. A defective obedience is a blemished offering. It is neither pleasing to God, nor is it sweet to men. Listen to what the prophet says. To you priests that care so little for my renown, 
ask you what care was lacking when the bread you offer at my altar is defiled. Ask you what despite you have done me when you write down the Lord's table a thing of little moment. What? No harm done? When victim you offer and sacrifice is blind? No harm done? When it is lame or diseased? Pray you, says the Lord of hosts, make such a gift to the governor yonder. Will he be content? Will he make favorites of you? Yes, says the Lord of hosts, the guilt is yours. To the divine presence betake you and sue for pardon, which of you finds favor with him. This notion of the blemish offering speaks directly to what St. Benedict says when he describes the defects of monastic obedience. If a brother obeys because he fears the abbot or his brethren, or because he cannot bear to lose face, his obedience is defective. One's obedience is defective when it is cold-hearted and calculated. One's obedience is defective when it is accompanied by grumbling and resistance. One's obedience is defective when it is reluctant or hesitant. Mere material obedience, the robotic execution what is commanded is deadly. <clears throat> the loss of the spirit of obedience saps a monastery of its joy. The divine office becomes formalistic and routine. Relations with the abbot and with the brethren become cold. There are annoyances and resistances and resentments at every turn. Who would want to live in such a cloister? The loss of the spirit of obedience indicates that the community is in decline and that its days are surely numbered. St. Benedict insists on the sacrificial character of monastic obedience. It is an offering to God in the spirit of faith, like the sacrifice of Abel and an act of the virtue of religion. Abel also offered of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offerings. And again we read, it was in faith that Abel offered a sacrifice richer than Cain's, and was proved thereby to be justified, since God recognized his offering through that offering of his, he still speaks in death. We have, in fact, in Cain and Abel, um, images of, in the first case, of the defective obedience, material obedience, but defective, and in the case of Abel, an obedience pleasing to God. It is a great loss when one fails to associate obedience with the virtue of religion. The virtue of religion, as I'm sure Father Thomas demonstrated over these past months, informs all of Benedictine life. It 
motivates among obedience and makes of it a sacrifice offered to God. Forty-six years ago, my dear father master spoke to me of the virtue of religion. It's explained by St. Thomas, and I've never forgotten what he said. He taught me that Benedictine life is a constant exercise of the virtue of religion. This way of looking at obedience flies in the face of the pragmatism that has so invaded much of religious life today. Pragmatism is, I think, an offshoot of the quasi-heresy of Americanism. It measures all things in terms of immediate efficacy and visible results. It robs obedience of the very thing that makes it an act of the virtue of religion. By his obedience, a monk is united to God. United to God. This notion that obedience is simply an efficient way to get the job done is not monastic obedience. The monk is obedient because he knows that by the boon of obedience he is united to God according to the luminous teaching of St. Augustine in Book 10 of the City of God, in which he talks about the meaning of sacrificium. And he says, a true sacrifice is every work which is done that we may be united to God in holy fellowship, and which has a reference to that supreme good and end in which alone we can be truly blessed. And therefore, even the mercy we show to men, if it is not shown for God's sake, is not a sacrifice. For, though made or offered by man, sacrifice is a divine thing. As those who called it sacrifice, sacrificium, meant to indicate. Thus, this is a marvelous sentence in this passage, thus, man himself Consecrated in the name of God and vowed to God is a sacrifice insofar as he dies to the world that he may live to God. Man himself, consecrated in the name of God and vowed to God, is a sacrifice insofar as he dies to the world that he may live to God. This passage of St. Augustine speaks directly to Mother McTiddle's whole mystical understanding of the monastic life as a state of victimhood, as um, sacrificial offering. So it's, it's rooted, of course, in St. Paul, but also in this teaching of St. Augustine. St. Benedict holds that the obedience given to superiors is given to God. Since he himself hath said, he that heareth you, heareth me. Attend closely to this. If an act of obedience is given to God, it has, as St. Augustine says, a reference to that supreme good and end in which alone we can be truly blessed. It is not merely a pragmatic convention, 
adopted in order to make things run smoothly and profitably. It is an act of the virtue of religion. It is the loss of this religious sense of obedience that empties it of its true meaning. Benedictine obedience is not lethargic. What distinguishes Benedictine obedience is alacritas. Alacrity is eagerness, enthusiasm, cheerfulness, and a quick disposition to generosity. Obedience, says St. Benedict, ought to be given by disciples with a good will, because God loved the cheerful giver. One must practice obeying with good cheer. It does not come naturally. Human nature tends rather to lethargy, especially if one is suffering from a bad case of the blues, a kind of low-grade depression, gloominess. Uh, one then easily gives in to lethargy. One must at times make a real effort to put a spring in one's step and a smile on one's face. With practice, alacrity becomes easier, and in the end, it becomes habitual. It becomes a virtue. There's a beautiful rabbinical saying worthy of the Desert Fathers, and well suited to St. Benedict's teaching on obedience. Be bold as a leopard, light as an eagle, fleet as a deer, and courageous as a lion, to the will of your Father in heaven. Nothing spoils obedience as much as murmuring. Murmuring causes a lump to drag his feet. It insinuates bitterness and discontent everywhere. A half-hearted obedience, an obedience that does things grudgingly, is not an offering acceptable to God. One cannot go to the altar of the sacrifice murmuring on the way. Rather, we are to go to the altar of the sacrifice with the dispositions of St. Ignatius of Antioch on his way to Rome. Every act of obedience is a kind of going in to the altar of 